everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes on Iowa podcast. I am, as always, your host, Quinn Douglas, alongside co-host Carter Coppinger, Zach Martin. Happy Thanksgiving. This will be dropping on Thanksgiving Day. So glad you all decided to take some time out of your Thanksgiving Day to listen to us or whenever you may be listening to us. And we've got an action-packed week full of uh, Iowa sports coming your way over the, over the next four days or so. Uh, first of all, Carter and Zach, how are we doing? Uh, we're recording this night for Thanksgiving. How are we doing on this fine Wednesday night? Oh, just, you know, getting ready, preparing my body for the uh, the food I'm about to eat tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I got yeah. two Thanksgivings to go to. So I do, too. Join the club. So it's going to be a day full of – I'm planning on adding 10 pounds at least. I'm only going to one Thanksgiving, thankfully, but I'm still going to smash as much of a smoked turkey as I as I possibly can. Smoke turkey. You're speaking. You're speaking my language, boys. You're speaking my language with the smoke turkey. Oh, it's gonna be good. Zach, I know the, my dad's the pod listeners can't see you, but you look so much younger with your uh, your beard shaved. I know it. It, it had to go. It had to go. <laughs> my hair need to. My hair need to cut. My beard need to trim. When the food is get, getting into your beard and your mustache over your lip is impacting how you eat, it's time to get rid of it. Yeah. And I got trim on my beard too. I did that last Friday. So plus, plus I had to I had to get rid of the beard for you know the big for the big new job that I'm starting next in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, he <Yeah>. dropped it. <laughs> you can't uh, you can't uh, let them uh, can't let you can't let them think you look homeless right off the rip. You, you got to start with exactly exactly. My mom would be so pissed if she <laughs> if she found out I was still with that beard as I started as I started yes. my new job. So so for our listeners that may not know, Zach took a job. He is now a a sports writer at the Quad Cities Times, his hometown newspaper. Zach is from Davenport. So uh, Zach, congratulations are in order, my friend. Ooh. Round of applause. Thank you guys. It's it was a uh, it was a difficult decision. It was a you know a bit stressful, but. Uh, to head back home to write for the paper you grew up reading for the paper that that got my journalism career started i uh i can't really think of a you know a a better opportunity for me so i'm really excited about it a little disappointed you're abandoning me here in northern iowa but that's okay that's okay you're you are living your dream your friend i will not be mad at you for that i'll still i'll still remember my time up here in north iowa fondly and uh you know if if the time is right, I'll come. I'll come and visit. So oh, yeah. I'm not going to abandon my North Iowa roots. I, you know, I feel like I, being here for a year, almost two years. You know, I feel like it's you know a part of me now. So yeah, you'll be probably if if uh, if uh, trends continue to serve the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union, will have you back up here no time whatsoever, in absolute no time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Center point our band is going to come up and play to Osage, and we're all just going to say, "What the hell?" I don't know. Right. It's it's bound to happen in, in some fashion. I don't know. But with that, we're we're kind of on a, a bit of a, t- a tight schedule here. Obviously, with it being the night before Thanksgiving, a lot of us have plans. Uh, my plans kind of got thrown into a wrench. I, I had to take my mom to the ER today. She's doing fine, so don't you folks don't need to worry about it. Everything got checked out. Doctor said she was good to go home, so car discharged, and that, that's just why we're recording a bit of a later podcast, but better late than never, I always like to say. But we are on a bit of a shortened schedule, so it won't be as long of a podcast as you folks are used to hearing, but we'll, we'll dive right into it. I know we wanted to touch on the state championship games We'll probably get to those next week. Uh, we just don't have the time right now. Plus, there's a lot of things going on with uh, with Iowa and Iowa State football, men's basketball in the state as well as women's basketball. There's just a lot for us to talk touch on on the college level, so we are going to start off with that. 
we'll, we'll kick off first. Uh, we'll kick off with the good in the football world. Iowa, uh, they are outgained uh, 300 through over almost 314 to about 72 or something like that on the ground by the Minnesota Golden Gophers. In the end, it doesn't matter. Iowa made the plays to win. Iowa gets a 13-10 to 10 win. They keep Floyd for the eighth consecutive year. Jack Campbell played the best fourth, best quarter of an Iowa linebacker since Larry Station did in the fourth quarter of a number one versus number two game between Iowa and Michigan in 1985 and may have cemented himself as one of the, if not the best linebacker in Iowa history with the string of plays he made. Uh, Carter and Zach, I was watching this game. Up in the, I watched the second half of it up in the press box at uh, Jack Trice. I was able to watch at least the first quarter uh, at home before I went up to Ames. Iowa got off to a real fast start, and then it felt like Minnesota then finally woke up, and it was a ball game from there on out. Yeah, Quinn. So, I mean, Iowa, they started out up 10 nothing right in the first quarter, and I actually thought then that, wow, we're, we, we kind of have this game handled. But then Minnesota really started getting going offensively uh especially well actually only on the ground um i mean talk about an all-time performance from uh ibrahim as well i mean 39 carries in a game with 263 yards and a touchdown that's insane uh i mean i didn't know once we got to the fourth quarter if the iowa defense was going to be able to stop them and then he fumbles on what was most likely the most important drive of the game. Um, I mean, also, we just have to talk about that. I know that this is, you know, probably going to be re- referred to, at least by myself, as the Jack Campbell game, um, looking back on it. I mean, talk about a guy who completely took over a game. And, I mean, Riley Moss made a great play on that what should have been a pick six. Um, but yeah. I mean, the the fact that Jack Campbell was able to do what he did still get 33 yards out of that as well. I mean, come on. It was, it was incredible. Um, and I mean, the, the picture of Kirk Ferentz hugging and like crying uh, with Jack Campbell at the end too, just kind of solidified that picture in my mind as well of this being the Jack Campbell game. So I I was really impressed with um, the performance from the Hawks and their resiliency when things weren't looking the best uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we can pretty much safe to say that this game, and I'll just this will be the only thing I'll mention about Jack Campbell. This cemented him his place on the Mount Rushmore of Iowa linebackers, mm-hmm. um, pro- probably in school history, at, at definitely under Ferentz, but probably under school history. I mean, we're talking. You know, Josie Jewell, Chad Greenway, um, Ferentz mentioned him in the presser, uh, the one in 86. Larry Station, Larry Station, yeah. mm-hmm. two times yep. consensus All-American. Yeah, they're just an absolute beast of a human being back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, Campbell's right up there with them. I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore. And I think, I think you know, he, was, he had a case for being on the Mount Rushmore, you know, before the season started. But this, this year in that Minnesota game kind of cemented it, in my opinion. Um, but the one thing I really want to hit on is that Iowa played to win that game. Minnesota played to lose that game. Absolutely. Especially yeah. in the first half, Iowa was playing to win and Minnesota played to lose. And then I think it kind of reversed just a little bit in the second half. But Minnesota ultimately, and like they have been for a lot of games in the P.J. Fleck air against Iowa, always shoot themselves in the foot and always end up with a with a mistake on a on a drive that 
they easily could win Floyd. They can get Floyd, but they have a mistake or they shoot themselves in the foot with a penalty or something along those lines, and Iowa makes you pay for it. And Iowa will always do that, no matter what year it is, no matter what type of team Iowa has, they'll always make you pay for for not coming up on a on a crucial late fourth quarter drive. So it was a it was a really I think Iowa kind of stole this game. I would say in a way almost like they agree. almost stole this win. Yeah. But it just is prototypical of November under Kirk Ferentz and what this team is like. Fourteen yeah, straight proto- wins. Yeah, prototypical of uh, Kirk Ferentz. You hit that right on the head. I mean, you could not have maybe have scripted a more prototypical Iowa win under Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And you know, you, I, I'm glad you brought up the, the play to win and play not to lose point. I noticed that in the first half, and there, and there was one sequence that that really did it for me. And Carter, I know I told you this: the sequence where Minnesota was they had fourth and one at midfield, a spot where most coaches in the Power Five probably go for it. Minnesota elected to punt. Okay. That same, the the ensuing Iowa possession, Iowa had fourth and two at about midfield, maybe a little bit past midfield. Iowa went for it and got it right then and there. That told me all I needed to know about this ball game. And I I texted you, Carter. I go, Iowa is playing to win. Minnesota is playing not to lose. Minnesota, you could probably argue, probably the more talented team. I I think you could definitely make that argument over, over this Iowa team, but they did not play like they were the more talented team. And, you know, whether, you know, the performance on the field was maybe closer than people thought. When it came to the coaching staff, Kirk Barrett's absolutely outclassed P.J. Fleck, without a, without a doubt in my mind. He absolutely outclassed P.J. Fleck. He outcoached P.J. Fleck. Iowa staff made, made the adjustments when they had to and did the, made the adjustments they needed to win. I mean, you look, you know, a lot of people were, were giving Bill Parker all kinds of heck. For his, for the defense getting ran on. Here's the thing: there's really no adjustment to a great offensive line and a great running back. I mean, that's you know, I mean, there's really not much else you can do to that. And to give credit to Phil Parker and the Iowa defense, they were patient in the second half. They knew they're going to get yards. We just got to bend. Don't break. Bend. Don't break. And finally, that long drive that that was very reminiscent of the drive Iowa State went on back in September. Iowa flipped the script. 14 straight carries from O. Ibrahim. Uh, the 14 just appeared to be one too many because Campbell was able to pot, punch the ball out and, and Iowa was able to recover it. And then obviously the play to win the game was that was the, uh, the, the interception from Campbell off of Raleigh Moss's deflection. And that's got to be a for, for Minnesota hearing Raleigh Moss's name. That's got to be uh, just kind of a sick feeling with how much he's tortured the Gophers over the years. But Iowa made the winning plays. And that's been the difference in Iowa since the Ohio State game. Iowa has made those plays to win the game. When in the first half of the season, they weren't doing that. They weren't making those plays to win games. Iowa is making plays to win games. You know, you look, I, I found a great stat uh, when it came to Iowa. Uh, it actually, it will be great to segue this into Iowa State and perhaps Iowa State struggles. Iowa has not, Iowa has converted a red zone attempt, has converted every red zone attempt since the Ohio State game. They have not, they, they have not been to the red zone once and have not scored in for four weeks now granted it's not like they're in the red zone five times a game but they are getting to the red zone when they do get to the red zone they are capitalizing on the opportunities they have in front of them and that has been the difference in all reality you we can talk about how the offensive yardages and the the, the, the offensive yardage numbers aren't there the passing yards aren't there the rushing yards aren't there but the efficiency is has been the difference and the efficiency is really why this Iowa team has been able to reel off four straight wins particularly the efficiency on the offensive side of the football 
And now they're one win away from the Big Ten title game. And Which truly, is funny, I though. think they're going to they're gonna take care of business against Nebraska I fully on Friday night or on Friday afternoon at 3 yeah. o'clock. They're going to take care of business. Yeah, and Quinn, just to go off, like, you know, you talking about their efficiency, I feel like that that's just, like, really signifies, like, a Kirk Ferentz offense. Yes. And yep. th- that's the important thing. And earlier in the season – like the reason that Iowa was losing those games is because they were turning the ball over mm-hmm. and like yeah. essentially Iowa needs to play mistake free or close in order to win games like they did on Saturday. And I, I think that it would indefinitely win the turnover battle. And in all those losses, they essentially did not other than Iowa state, which was just a, a, a really weird one, but I mean, that's part of why I've, I'm just like, I, I was impressed by the play calling on Saturday too. You know, I mean, the, the gutsy call first down 33 yard pass to Luke Lachey mm-hmm. right down the middle. I mean, that, that was beautifully drawn up by Brian Ferentz. And I don't think he, you know, gets enough credit for when he does call good games. Um, yes. I mean, I, I, I was really impressed by, you know, that and, I'd also just like to say that, you know, what happens, you know, if people would have gotten what they hoped for, you know, after Ohio State, where everyone was calling for Brian Ferentz's head. I mean, I don't think Iowa is in this position right now to, you know, go to the Big Ten championship if you fire a coach as vital as him, you know, to the program. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And Spencer Petras is playing some of his best football right now. Yep. I mean, I oh yeah, I think and I think over his career, you can argue this stretch has been some of his some of his better football. And it's not statistically eye popping, but what the, the 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 stats that do matter, the turnover numbers. He's only right. had one turnover in the last four games, and you can argue that turnover wasn't his fault. I mean, I think there's a strong argument for that. So I mean, it, it's no secret that I when Iowa takes care of the football. They score when they get the opportunities to with a short field. They're going to win a lot of football games. There's no question that that has been the case with this Iowa team uh, going into senior day uh, against Nebraska with a chance to win the Big Ten West as unbelievable as it sounded. It looked a little hairy there for a little bit. I thought the Illini were actually maybe going to do it against Michigan in the big house, but Michigan was able to stop fooling around and get it done. Uh, much to much obliged to the, to the Hawkeye fans uh, that were uh, rooting for the, for the, the, uh, the maize and blue on uh Saturday. And uh, they were probably hoping they see the maize and blue. They can find a way to knock off Ohio state coming up on Saturday for the game. Number two versus number three, but yeah, I the, just the Iowa game. So impressive. The resiliency. I actually found it funny when Campbell, when Jack Campbell had his pick six, uh, they they in the uh, in the press box of Jack Trice. There's a room on the far. It would it'd be on the south side of the press box on the second floor where all the press is. That's the the statistics room. That's where all the statisticians are at. And they had a, the the only TV in in the press box that had the Iowa game on was in there. And so it's me, Bill Seals from CycleReport.com, and the Iowa State communications interns behind us. And they see Campbell make the pick, and those interns were just in awe of the return Campbell made. They just could not believe it. I I, I looked at them. I go. That was one hell of a return, and they go. One of them goes, "That's the best return I've ever seen." Oh my god! And, and he was, was in bounds. He was in no, bounds. No, yeah, he was. He in was bounds. in bounds. Yeah, he got he he got hosed. He got he hosed. Got hosed. And, but in the end, it actually hosed. probably helped out Iowa because I was able to run the clock. 
So we can all agree that we think Iowa's going to beat Nebraska on Black Friday, correct? I am wrong. I, I never put 100% confidence because that's a sure way for you to lose. I'm about 95%. Even without Sam Laporta, even without Monty Potterbaum, I feel pretty good about Iowa's chances. See, that's what I was going to ask. I wonder how much Laporta's absence is going to affect Petrus and this and this offense, especially with the running game not being very crisp over the last three weeks. Well, one thing I think that does help is that while you are right, the running game has not been very crisp the last three weeks. Nebraska's defense statistically might be the worst defense Iowa has gone up against all year. While Nebraska does have talent, I agree. They, they, they might be more talented on the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. They're still statistically one of the worst defenses in the country. It's yeah, definitely one of the worst defenses in power five. Yes, um, I, yes. I expect a heavy dose of Luke Lachey, heavy dose of Caleb Johnson, so on and so forth. Quinn, going off uh caleb johnson is he like a little banged up i was yes he I was, was. i was wondering why he didn't get as many carries yeah on i believe he got, he got banged up uh doing uh or i think i think someone had mentioned it was during the run where he almost scored we dope for the pylon he banged himself up uh but uh, kirk Ferentz said on tuesday not to work you know, that he would be full go on friday or on, on friday so yeah yeah i was i just i was like confused why he wasn't getting as many touches as like during the game when I was watching it. And I hadn't seen anything, you know, that suggested he was injured, but I assume that, you know, must've gotten banged up somewhere, but that, yeah, yeah, I think that, that's, that, that's key to, you know, some success in the run game too. Yeah. Cause he, I mean, he is clearly the, the best running back in that room. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he makes that run game so much better. And I have a feeling we're going to see a heavy dose of him because it's going to be it's going to be it's not going to be cold, but it's going to be cooler. It's going to be a physical football game, and I'm not sure Nebraska want, Nebraska's defense wants to play a physical football game, especially after getting their hearts ripped out on Saturday by Wisconsin. That's a, I think that's a big big point that I think a lot of people are underestimating. So Iowa Nebraska kicks off 3 p.m. on Friday on Black Friday from Kinnick Stadium. I know I'll be there. Carter and I, Carter will be there as well. We're definitely looking forward to uh, perhaps seeing Iowa clinch the, the uh, Big Ten West on Friday. And then uh, as we segue over uh, to Iowa State, uh, it's pretty much the opposite. I mean, the exact opposite you can think of, unfortunately, for the Cyclones. Iowa State drops yet another Big 12 heartbreaker. They lose to Texas Tech 14 to 10. It was a cold, frigid day at Jack Trice Stadium. And the Iowa State offense was just about as cold and frigid in the red zone as the weather was outside. One for five in the red zone. I mean, that's the stat, right? That's the stat that loses you a football game in any league, let alone the Big 12. Uh, Iowa State's defense did all it could. Texas Tech was just able to pull out a couple more plays offensively that that they needed to pull out. Uh, And just Iowa State, you know, when you get stuffed, you know, I, I always say you, when you when you get stuff inside the five, you know, you have eight shots, eight plays to score, and you're inside the 10 or inside the five. If you cannot come away with a single point in those eight plays, you probably don't deserve to win the football game. I think that's what why, why, why Hunter Deckers is having a QB run out of the shotgun and not under center is baffling to me. Well, that was a question two weeks ago for the Oklahoma State game. They actually did a lot. They did more under center stuff on Saturday than I had seen all year. I mean, still, can I just reiterate what I said last week? That Tom Manning needs to get fired. Oh no, I agree one hundred percent. Yes. Can I? Can I? Can I just? Can I just bump that? 
because Tom Manning needs to get fired. I, this I, is a tra- I, that was this a little travesty. For me. Yeah, this is a travesty yeah. for all Iowa State fans, all Iowa State supporters. This is a travesty. There's no way that offense can be that horrible consistently. There's no way you have got to have at least one game where you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe they, maybe there's some signs of life. There's not been a single game where I've looked and be like, yep, there's signs of life. Even when Hunter Deckers threw for 300 yards, like that was probably the, that was maybe the only one where I'm like, okay, there's a little glimmer of hope. And then it's been dashed. That's it. There's no, there's no offensive life. You've wasted a year. You've wasted the best receiving year that you're ever going to get out of one of the best wide receivers to ever come through Iowa state. And he was a transfer in, in, in a potentially big 12 offensive player of the year award in, in X. And you've wasted a, you've wasted a running back room that can't stay healthy. You've wasted a development of Hunter Deckers for one year. He's not, he shouldn't be the, the QB one heading in 2023. I've said that multiple times. He shouldn't be, he's had no growth. He's shown no improvement. He makes the same mistakes over and over again. He's not put in, he's not put in a position to succeed an offensive line that is young got one senior so hopefully that you can be better at next year and you've and you've put to waste one of the best defenses in all of college football it's just an absolute travesty that that team is currently four and seven and fighting for their bowl lives against the number four team in the country next week against on the road in fort worth against max dugan led tcu horn frogs you need a win to even have a shot at getting a bowl and even that's not guaranteed and you have no you have no momentum heading into 2023. You have zero. And it's just an absolute travesty that this has that this has taken place over the last over the entire Big 12 season. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy to me because when they beat Iowa earlier this season, I feel like there was so much hope for you know the Cyclone fan base, right? That I mean that this could have been a really good year, and that ended up only being like one of four wins, right? And like, I, I definitely didn't see that coming. I thought I remember saying on the pod back then that I thought that they would go at least seven and five after getting that Iowa win. Um, and I mean, even against Iowa, their offense didn't look incredible by any means, but they were playing a great defense. And I mean, they had that incredible 99 yard drive that showed so much hope. And I feel like that was essentially the most memorable drive of the season. And every one of them since has been one to forget. I mean, the fact that they couldn't punch the ball in from the two yard line is just insane to me, considering, you know, that I, that I think that they have, you know, a huge quarterback that you could just literally shove right up the middle. Right. (laughs) And also their special teams performance, has been pretty poor all year. And I I don't think that's helping them in close games either. It's been it's been poor for multiple years. I mean, yeah. there hasn't been really one good special teams year. It's just, it's just, it's mm-hmm. it's it's mind-boggling. And the here's the thing: they're about maybe five to eight plays away from half from being seven and five, or they are. eight and four, mm-hmm. or or seven and or what we're now eight and three. Yeah eight and three, seven and four, like they're five to eight plays away from being that. And is that, is that luck or is that bad offense or is it both? I think it's both. I think it is a healthy mix of both. I agree with that. And 
I, I also think that, you know, a big narrative a lot of the time for this year's Iowa team is like, oh, they're wasting this great defense, elite defense on with this crap offense. I mean, I think it's the same exact thing for Iowa State. They have an elite defense. And I mean, they gave up 276 yards against Texas Tech. That's that's a great day. And the fact that you don't win the game, I mean, it, it's mind boggling and it's head scratching and it, you know makes you want to throw something at your TV. <laughs> because I, when I was watching that, I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like they they've got to score, and it just oh man, it's never happened. Yeah, it was. I mean, watching this in the press box, number one, it, it pretty much did. Some of the thoughts I had watching it during watching it unfold during the game, number one, yeah, Tom Manning does need to go at season's end. That that pretty much did it for me. I'm looking around, and go, and some sometimes some point, some of us are just laughing in the press box at the, just at the fact that we we were like, well, what do you think is coming? We say what we think is coming, and then they run that play. Well, if we in the press box know what's coming, sure as hell, Texas Tech probably knows what's coming. So that's probably not a good thing. Uh, and, and, you know, number two, I kind of say this jokingly, but who would have thought, you know, a month ago we'd be talking about, oh, my God, is Tom Vanny actually a worse offensive coordinator than Brian Ferentz? I mean, I think that's a legitimate argument we're having now you know, based on the success of the two offenses. Iowa's offense has at least shown signs of life. I mean, Spencer Petras didn't turn the ball over. He threw for over 200 yards. It was a key cog in Iowa's win against Minnesota and Hunter Deckers. Just could not get in a rhythm. Has not been able to get in a rhythm in the entirety of Big Twelve play, and I think a lot of that does fall on the shoulders of Tom Manning and his inability to to create successful game plans. I think that really uh, that that really has has hindered the possible growth of Hunter Deckers. And I feel bad because Carter and I we sat on this podcast back in August. We warned people don't don't overhype this you know Hunter Deckers because you're coming in expecting him to become the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. From day one, and it's just not that simple. Not in Iowa State's offense, not with Iowa State's program. It takes time. Even Brock Purdy, with as great of an opener he had against Oklahoma State four years ago in Stillwater, he I don't know if he I don't know if he was ever the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. Uh, he was definitely top three, maybe even two. I don't know if there was a time where he was number one. Obviously, we could argue that a different day. But Iowa State needs to go in a new direction offensively. They need to find ways. To to diversify the playbook, I think that that that's a really key word there because I mean it's a lot of you know it goes back to the argument I was making about I had a whole Twitter rant about this about offensive efficiency and Iowa State's inability to score when they're given the opportunity compared to Iowa here in the month of November they've been able to score when they've been given the opportunity. These are two programs at Iowa and Iowa State. They're more similar. That I think a lot of people will care to admit that are fans on both sides, and they look a lot different. It does look a lot different. Iowa State runs a lot of spread stuff. Iowa runs a lot of old school pro formation, pro style offense sets. But at the end of the day, what do these two programs want to do? Well, number one, I can tell you both programs want to beat the hell out of you with their defense. They want to punish you up front. They want to punish you with their with their second level. They want to punish you with their secondary. They want to shut. They don't only want to. They don't want to slow you down. They want to shut you down. And number two, and they have the same goal here, although it looks a lot different, just like the defenses do. They want to control the clock. They want to be make efficient. They want to be efficient on the offensive end. They want to score in the red zone. They want to be able to run the football and use it to set up to play action. That that's really at 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 the core what Iowa and Iowa State's programs are about, 
And we're seeing Iowa, they have been able to live up to the expectations their program has. Has had for 25, going on 25 years now. Iowa State, we're seeing that not be the case. The defense is living up to the expectation. That's the only unit that's lived up to the expectation that's been built by Matt Campbell. The special teams has it. Iowa State needs to go out and hire a special teams coach. An analyst isn't going to cut it. You need somebody on the field at all times to help that special teams unit. I mean, I, I think it, I, we're past the point of it being being a, 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 a question. It's imperative. It needs to happen. And number two, Iowa State needs to go and find an offensive coordinator that has new, fresh ideas and how they want to do things. Matt Campbell's overall philosophy is probably going to want to stay intact, but they need to find an offensive coordinator that has new, fresh ideas into being able to achieve the goals they want to have on the offensive end. You know, Quinn, Iowa State, that, that was an incredible incredible rant, by the way. That, I agree <laughs> that wasn't even that supposed to be a rant. That just kind of came out naturally. It, it was great. Uh, and I'd say Iowa State actually like reminds me so much of the Green Bay Packers right now. Like, I mean, they just really bad special teams. The play calling you are like really questioning. And it's just I <clears throat> like the special teams have continually killed them. And I, I think that 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 really needs to lie on the head coach and I haven't seen Green Bay fix their special teams yet even though you know they fired the special teams coordinator um and like even the guy this year that like no change at all um and I I think that you know it's gonna come down to Campbell really you know saying hey like we need to prioritize special teams here if we want to win in the margins like we like say we want to Hmm. here's the here's the kicker of all this this is the best part of all this i'm not going to pass them to be tcu on saturday yep (laughs) i'm really not that's the kicker in all of this it is a it may be a road game but it is iowa state against a team that is bound for the college football playoff that they can go in and play spoiler like that's the best part. I, I'm not putting it past them to play their best game of the year and beat TCU in Fort Worth. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm, I'll, just, I'll just sit back and say, of course. Of course, now when it's the last game of the year and you're trying to play spoiler and you go beat TCU. Yeah, well, not shock me whatsoever. It'd be, it'd be on brand for Matt Campbell and company to find a way to do that. Not, yeah. not, that that's not far-fetched at all. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy that like, I actually think they have a chance like at all. I think like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they win, which is insane. If you, if you told me, you know, it was Alabama that they were playing at 11 and 0. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that the same thing, but and TCU is really good this year, but uh, there's just something about Iowa state playing spoiler. And then all the all all the SEC elitists when they see TCU lose could be like, ha, see, we told you so. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Oh Lord. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith TCU's doesn't know better. a thing about college football. Holy cow. Paul Feinbaum, Paul, Feinbaum, Paul, Paul Feinbaum doesn't know anything about college football outside of the SEC. No. Oh God, no. Not even close. TCU actually has a really good um resume too. I they mean, have one of the best resumes in college football. Yeah, the best. They do pound for pound, one of the best resumes in college football. 
it's better than it's, panel, it, it, I, it's pound for pound better than Michigan or, or Ohio State's resume. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, put me on that panel. They'll they'll never ask me back because I will hit them with facts and they don't want to hear that. ESPN and facts, come on. Oh no, yeah, that's that. Those are those are two those are two words that do not belong in the same sentence. I yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, exactly. They 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 don't go together. So, Cyclones take on TCU. That'll be a three o'clock kick on Saturday uh, down at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. With that, we'll segue over to the hoop side of things. Things are about to start to get interesting. It is Beast Week, of course. A lot of preseason tournaments. Matter of fact, when I was at the uh, when I was at the ER with my mom, we had the TV on. I watched I watched I think two games of the, of the Maui Invitational. I watched the championship between Arizona and, and, and Creighton, and that was a great basketball game. Uh, Arizona is really good this year. They got a couple guys that really jump off the page. And Creighton, holy cow! Creighton McDermott might have his best team at Creighton this year. Uh, it very well might be his best team. I could say I could say confidently those. Arkansas, Creighton, and Arizona can all get to the Final Four. Oh, absolutely! Like those are those are three Final Four contenders right there. Yeah, I agree one hundred and ten percent. It was fun to watch some really really good basketball. And Ohio State and Texas Tech put on a good game as well. Uh, but of course, we're here to talk about Iowa and Iowa State. Well, we'll lead off with Iowa State. They get going once again here on on Thanksgiving Day. They have a three thirty p.m. tip with Villanova as a part of the Phil Knight. I believe it's the Phil Knight. Uh, the Phil Knight Invitational. It's at the Legacy. There's two different Phil Knight tournaments for the boys, for the men this year. Iowa State men are in the, I believe, the Invitational. And that game tips off at 3.30, playing Villanova. Obviously, playing Villanova, that's a big deal because they're one of the premier, uh, they've been one of the premier programs in college basketball for the past decade or so. Cyclones come in 3-0. They took down Milwaukee, although Milwaukee gave them a bit of, bit of a fight uh, on Sunday. But Iowa State pulled away with a 68 53 went, and I would say really going to start to get into the meat and potatoes of their non-conference schedule as I take a look at some of the statistics. Jared Holmes, the, the St. Bonaventure transfer, he has been everything. He's been hyped up to be 18 points per game through the first three games. Jazz Koontz has had a really good start to his senior year. And Usen Osuni uh, from the transfer from Temple, 11 points. Uh, it says he's averaging three rebounds. I don't think that's right, but I'll have to go back and look. Uh, but he has had a, a stellar start to the year. And Caleb Grill. Talk about a guy that's come a long way from when he was a freshman. Caleb Grill averaging eight points and four rebounds, uh, the senior guard. Uh, th- this is a this is an Iowa State team that's going to be very heavy on the seniors uh, going through the non-conference slate. But to, the, to this rate, when you look, uh, Zach and Carter, at this Iowa State schedule, you know, neutral side game versus Villanova. If they win, they'll play uh, – I'm not sure 100% who they'll play if they win. Uh, but they're for sure at least guaranteed the game with Villanova. They get North Dakota. You get a home game with St. John's before you travel to Iowa City. You know, this Iowa State team, it feels like they can make a big statement on where they're going to lie coming up tomorrow against Villanova. Yeah, this is a this is a solid Villanova team. I mean, their only loss came to Michigan State last week, where they lost by two points. And Michigan State looks like they they might be kind of back after a few down years as well. They look like so, the Michigan State of old. Yeah, they they did. So I mean I I wouldn't really you know discount Villanova this year even though they currently are not ranked, um, and I mean I I think that this will tell us a lot about what this Iowa State team will be. I mean we really haven't seen you know any any competition yet because their three wins have been you know kind of by by wins um, by games. So this is where we'll see you know the team that that Ots has this year and. I I think that we're gonna see a pretty good defensive showing if 
uh, you know, we, we, if, if we know what we're getting from odds at this point. Um, and I, I think that Iowa state's going to battle. Um, and that I, I'm pretty, pretty excited to see how, how that game goes. So I just looked though, if Iowa state beats Nova, they'll either play, uh, Portland or, uh, number one, North Carolina. Oh, so, and then, so, I mean, you win, Here's the top-ranked Tar Heels and the favorite to cut down the nets in March. Um, <laughs> still, this Iowa State team has kind of started in a similar trajectory as last year, I think. Um, you know, obviously, Quinn, you mentioned it, more more dominate on the seniors. When you look at Jaron Holmes, he's been, he's been their best player, I think, right now, and I don't think anyone could argue that. Um, his ability to get his his ability to get to the rim and his playmaking has been has been solid. Um Jazz Koontz is, you know, we we looked at him or Gabe Kalsher, and Kalsher's still battling with an injury. We looked at those two and, like, you know, maybe that's who Otts would lean on early on. And Koontz has kind of taken on this, you know, taken on this opportunity by the horns, and he's he's had a really good start to the year. Um, yeah, I think this is this will be a good measuring stick to see where Iowa State, you know, fares against, you know, some of the some of the better you know, up, you know, blue bloods. Um, what's the right phrase I'm looking for? Blue bloods in in the sport. Um, and even though Nova, I think, is better than what they're being, you know, pegged as right now. Um, this would this would be a very good, very good win for Iowa State if if um, if if they if they were able to beat the Wildcats because I I still think Nova is a team when when we look, you know, and. January, February, that they're going to be a you know a top twenty program. I, I would agree. I would agree on all, all facets of that. Uh, yeah, this is a Villanova team. They've got a really good roster, top to bottom. I know Jay Wright isn't there anymore, but still Villanova. They've got that name brand. And, you know, a lot of kids are seeing what they've done over the past decade. It's still very attractive to them. And uh, that, that, that Villanova is going to give Iowa State a very good test, and it's going to be. A, I agree with you. You know, I agree with you guys both. It's going to be a big measuring stick for the Cyclones. Uh, with uh, with, with uh, the Wildcats uh, coming up here, uh, coming up uh, Thanksgiving Day, 3 p.m. or uh, uh, 3.30 p.m. tip-off uh, from out in Portland. As we flip to the other side with Iowa, Iowa opens up uh, the Emerald Coast Classic. They will take on Clemson down in uh, North Florida on Friday evening. That game tips off at 6 p.m., so there might be some overlap from the Heroes game with uh, the, uh, the the start of the Iowa men's game against Clemson. Iowa, they, they jumped into the polls at 25th. They took care of business against Omaha without Tony Perkins on Monday night. The Hawkeyes, they look like they're rolling on all cylinders. And uh, from, from everything that that I have heard and I've read up on, this is an Iowa team. They believe they can play with any team in the country. They they are supremely confident in their abilities uh, going, you know, here in this non-conference slate. They're going to get a test, a chance to test it. You know, they'll play Clemson. They'll probably if they win, if they win, regardless if they win or lose, they get the winner or loser of Cal versus TCU. And they got the ACC challenge with Georgia Tech. Then the, the neutral site game on December 6th with Duke. And then Iowa State, Wisconsin. That is kind of the early taste of the Big Ten to really round out a really tough slate for the Hawkeyes uh, from uh, now until December the 11th. And uh, we're, we're going to find out what this Iowa team is made of over the next uh, two and a half, three weeks, boys. Yeah, I I think Chris Murray is him. He, he is him. I mean, he he has played some incredible past few games. Um I mean, I think he had 
29 points this last yep. game yep, against Hall. Yeah, and then he also went off against Seton Hall. And, I mean, I, I was really impressed with how Iowa looked against Seton Hall last week just because I wasn't sure if they'd be able to go, you know, on the road early in the season and get that big of a win against a team that was really talked up about, you know, being incredible defensively. And I, I do think Seton Hall will likely be an NCAA tournament team. They don't look like they really had everything together right then. But, I mean, this Iowa squad, they they have a really good top six or seven guys. Um, I, I am concerned, you know, if they get in foul trouble, if uh, Philip or Chris get in uh, foul trouble, that they're going to have some difficulties down low. But I, I I do really like, you know, this roster that they have put together, and these next few weeks are really going to test them. I mean, it's going to show you what kind of team they really have. Do you think this has a chance to be Fran's best defensive team? It's going to be tough to beat some of those teams with Woodbury Gassell in Utah, but uh, from an athletic standpoint, this might be the best on-ball defending team he's ever had. That I would agree with, but yeah, I, I would say you know the Woodbury, the the Woodbury Utah years and their point guard. You just said it, and I'm already Mike Gazelle. Gazelle, yeah, that's right. I was saying I was like Gaten's Gazelle, Gaten's Gazelle. I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I would say that that crew was probably one of the probably the best defensive team. I think this crew can be can be that good. They've shown oh, it early on where they 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 seem to be you know much improved defensively. Um, and that's even, you know, I, I know it was against Omaha, but still, you know, without Tony Perkins, who I think is probably their best on-ball defender, um, you know, you still uh, you you still were able to limit them, limit Omaha. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's speaks to the it speaks to their tenacity defensively this year um, so far, and we'll see if it can continue. Um, this should be a good game against Clemson. I don't know, you know, I haven't done I don't know much about what Clemson has this year, but traditionally they're they're a solid program. Um, so I so I think this this could be this could be a solid game for Iowa. It's gonna it's gonna come down to um you know if if Chris Murray can keep can keep playing at the level he has been over over the last couple of games and um who's gonna be that who's gonna be that number two score. I think that'll be a real big question for Iowa as we get later on in the year is is, is it gonna be, you know. Is it going to be Philip? Is it going to be Patrick? Is it going to be Peyton? You know, who's going to be the number two scorer for Iowa? I think is going to really determine what uh, um, what type of offensive success the Hawkeyes have. Yeah, I, I would argue Tony Perkins probably fills that role as a second scorer, but obviously he he's hurt right now. Uh, but right, I think yeah. a tertiary scorer is going to be very important. I do agree in that regard. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find out really quick how how good this Iowa team is, how how uh, what what the nucleus of this Iowa team is. Obviously, I've been very Philip Robracho. It might be a candidate. You know, if there was if there was an award for most improved player in the Big Ten, Philip Robracho I think would yeah. be the would be the runaway favorite because what he's been able to do on the low block this year, and he he looks tougher, he looks more physical, he looks more assertive, which is going to serve great going into Big Ten play. But you're going up against a league with posts such as Hunter Dickinson and, at Michigan. Zed Key as well, uh, just a, a number of other guys. Uh, 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 Matty Cisco at Michigan State's another one he'll have to contend with. 
uh, you know, that that's great that he has figured he has become comfortable in his position and knows what he has to do for this Iowa team. And, and one thing I will say that's kind of been an underrated storyline, Connor McCaffrey, he's become a uh, he's a legitimate weapon for this Iowa team. Yeah, he, yeah. he's found his shot finally. Yep. It, I think a lot of it has to do with him not playing basketball any, or baseball anymore, too. That yeah, probably has some the, that definitely has some lingering effects. The, the thing with Connor is, can it be consistent? Because, yeah. you know, any anyone can have this can, – anyone can have this early season success. Everyone can a, – anyone can be, you know, a national player of the year front runner right now. It's can can you do it in January. So, if Connor can keep – if Connor can keep being a good offensive weapon, then it, it will create another dynamic for Iowa. Yeah, it just makes it even more dangerous that you have a guy like Connor that – you know, he, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it at an elite level, but at a very good level, he can defend almost all five positions on the floor. If you ask him and he can step out and knock down a three, if you need him to be like a small ball five for whatever reason, he'll be a point four. man. Oh man. He, if he can knock down threes, think about how much I can open up that Iowa offense. Mm-hmm. That would be, I mean, from an efficiency metric standpoint, that would be unbelievable because Iowa right now currently sent fourth and Ken Palm an offensive efficiency They're 58th in defensive efficiency, which is more, than, 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 which is more than they can suffice with. And I know Iowa State, they're kind of the opposite. I think they're in the, the uh, about the 100 range for offense. Iowa State's about 25th in defense. I'd probably like to see that offensive number go up a little bit for the Cyclones, obviously. But it is early in the year. There, there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of data uh, to, 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 to take from here early on so far. But we're going to get a lot of data over the next couple of weeks. So we're gonna, really going to find out where these teams are going to stand going into conference play at the start of January. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and I mean, starting tomorrow, we'll at least be guaranteed four straight days of Iowa State and Iowa sports. Oh, yeah. We have Most the wonderful time of the year, tomorrow. my friends. What's that? Most wonderful time of the year, my friends. Yeah, it's it's this it's is- my favorite time of the year when you got early season basketball and like end of the season football. It's oh, just, yeah. I mean, I always have something to watch. It's it's the incredible. The world's coming together. Yes, I don't know. Exactly. My favorite time, my, my favorite time of the year is when it's um is when it's baseball season, boys. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. know about y'all, but I love but baseball. Too, my, my favorite time of the year is when it is when it's April and it's opening day and there's so much <laughs> baseball to watch. That's my favorite time of the year. Oh, of course, of course. He just likes it because it's gonna be it starts to get warmer outside, probably. Look, I may be a winter baby, but this all all this I can I can deal without. <laughs> hey, at least it's going to be warm this warmer this week than it was last week. Last week was uh, last week wasn't fun. <laughs> I'll say that. No, last week was not fun. Yeah. So with that, that's going to wrap up episode number sixteen of the Eyes on Iowa podcast. Of course, we'll be back recording next week. Be a little bit more normal circumstances, of course, with us being back in the regular workflow uh, after the Thanksgiving holiday. So be on the lookout for that. We're dropping this Thursday morning on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor.fm, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will be dropping this here on Thursday morning. So that's going to do it for us. For my co-host, Carter Commenter, Zach Martin, Quinn Douglas, signing off. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.